Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, usually about 13, 14 minutes, but it keeps us in God's word. Now that's important for our faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, but it also helps keep us focused on our relationship with God. And that's important. We need that focus. We need to keep that focus every day, all day. And it also helps prepare us to have a better mindset, more spiritual focus on how to deal with life every day. And so, and life throws a lot at us. So we encourage you, help people in your life by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Help them turn their lives around. Help them get that better focus. Help them to be thinking about their souls and eternity. Make that commitment today and start sharing. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. We're talking about how, how, what our mindset is in life. We're talking about a real life lesson here that we find in James chapter 4 in verses 13 through 17. Now, the point that I'm trying to make in this particular line of thought and study is you may be trying to do it yourself. You may be trying to make it on your own by your own power your own abilities, your own strengths. Let me tell you, you can't do it yourself. You must trust in God. You need to trust in God. You need God in your life. So James says in James chapter four and verse 13, come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. We will spend a year there. We will buy and sell and make a profit. And so as we've analyzed this particular first verse in this text, he says, you make these plans as though you're in total control and you know that you're going to have this time that you have planned out. Nothing's going to happen except complete success. You're going to say today or tomorrow? Yeah. Now in verse 14, he says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. All kinds of things happen in our lives, don't they? all kinds of things. But he says, you say today or tomorrow. So you're assuming you've got today. You're assuming you've got tomorrow. Most of us would have such an assumption. But then he says, we will go to such and such a city. So you think you're going to be able to go to this particular place and everything is going to work out just as you have it in your mind. You're going to spend a year there. Now there you're, you're assuming you've got that year ahead too not just today or tomorrow, but you've got a year ahead of you to do what you are planning out to do to make a successful business venture happen. And so he says, you're going to spend a year there. You're going to buy and sell and make a profit. Everything's going to work out. Hunky dory. Well, as I said, talk to some banker who is in the line of banking dealing with business loans and ask them how many, how many, what percentage a brand new business just getting started off the ground lasts a year or two years or three years. Ask them, how many go under within a very short period of time? But you're making these plans. You think you got it all laid out. Everything's going to work out because you have decided it will. In your mind, you've planned for it to work out. But have you really planned effectively? Then he goes on. And he says, you know, you're, you're, you're assuming it's going to be successful. 
you're going to make a profit. You're going to buy and sell and make a profit. But then he tries to bring reality to the mind of the individual by saying, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Probably many of us have had rather cataclysmic, certainly life-challenging developments in our lives. Things happen to us completely unexpected, completely unexpected. We fall down. We trip over a curb. We break a leg. We can't go to work for a, a few weeks. Maybe maybe we're going to have workman's compensation, but that's certainly not going to be what our regular income is going to be. Or maybe we receive this serious diagnosis, medical diagnosis that that changes our life. Or maybe we simply get a phone call and we hear on the other end, you know, so-and-so died last night. Or it's somebody who says, my husband left me or my wife left me. Or you know, the house caught fire. It's gone. The car, we were in an, we were in a, in an accident and, and, and it's totaled and they're not going to give me enough money to replace it. All kinds of things happen. And James is trying to say, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You make all these plans as though you're in charge, you're in complete control, but you're not. Life happens. And so, he says your life even is like a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And as I said, I've been preaching a long time. I've spoken at, I, I have no idea how many funerals I've spoken at over, over those years. But they certainly were not funerals for every single one being an elderly person, as we might classify uh, that kind of age. I preach funerals for all ages, literally for all ages, including little children. Well, see, life happens. And James is trying to get that across. Now, what is the point of, of, of all this? And why am I laboring over this particular context of Scripture? Number one, it is a life lesson that, that each one of us should be able to relate to. It makes sense, total sense, it gets the point across that we're trying to get across in this particular line of thought and study. So James says in verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Now, let's understand, let's process what he says in that particular verse, if the Lord wills. So as we began this particular study, I made the point that a whole lot of people, and I reemphasized it uh, in the second section of this study, a whole lot of people, God is not in their head. When it comes to plans, God's not in their head. They make their plans as though they're in total control. They can do it on their own. So many people, they don't want to think about God because they know they're not living a godly life. They know they're not living a, God, a life that's focused upon God and trying to please him and serve him. And so to think about God, that that's, it bothers their conscience. It's inconvenient. It's annoying. So they just don't think about God. We can ask the question all day long, why doesn't somebody, why, why, don't, why, why don't you turn to God in your life? Look at all these problems you're having because of bad choices that you keep making. Uh, why don't you turn to God? No, I don't want, they don't want to hear it. 
Now, they may be polite for a few minutes listening to what you say, but they're tuning you out as you're talking because God is not in their head. James is saying, you make all these plans as though you're in complete control? Probably every single one of us knows somebody who found out they were not in complete control. Their life changed cataclysmically, perhaps, almost in a moment. And maybe some of us listening today have had that experience in our own lives. So James says, you need you need to seek God's will in your plans. Does not mean you should not be thinking about plans for the future, but you need to seek God's will, his guidance, his wisdom in making those plans. And not just initially, but continually as those plans develop and as the time goes on. In verse 16, he says, but now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now, what does he mean? You boast in your arrogance. He's saying, you think you're in total control? You can do it all by yourself on your own? He said, you're you're boasting. You're being arrogant. You think you're in total control. Look around you. How many people in your own family have died? How many people you have known have died? I've told the story a number of times. A lady who is a dedicated, sincere Christian She told me one time, and I believe the number was somewhere in the 60s. She said, we've been to 60 funerals this year of friends. Now you think about that, 60 funerals. I made the statement not long ago to somebody, and I've made this statement a number of times, said the longer we live, the more of those phone calls we get so-and-so died last night or yesterday or this morning. That is reality in life. The Hebrews writer says, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. And so somebody who does not want to have God in their lives, does not want to have God in their heads, does not want to turn to God and lean upon God and, and seek his will for how they're going to move forward in their lives, physical death is not the worst thing. If we're living a righteous life before God, a faithful life before God, we can look forward to eternity with him, eternal life in heaven. Romans 6 and verse 23 says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But for the person who does not want to have God in their head, does not want to think about God, does not want to talk about God, does not want to live a godly life, does not want to be dedicated to God, it's what comes after physical death that is truly frightening. And the Hebrews writer says that's the judgment. It is appointed for men to die once, but after that, or after this, the judgment Everyone will stand before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at judgment. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. And we will receive in our, the things we have done in our body. In other words, we're going to be called to account. Give account for how we've lived our lives. And we will be judged accordingly, whether good or bad. And so James says, you're making all these plans as though you're in complete control. You're on your own. You don't want to ask God into your plans. He says, you're boasting. You're arrogant. 
and all such boasting is evil. And then he goes on and says, and so many people, they know they're not living the life they should be living. They know they're not living a life respectful of God, faithful to God, but they don't want to think about it because they want to do what they want to do. They don't want to be restricted in their mind by those church rules and regulations. Uh, they're, they're not church rules and regulations. They are God's teachings. And so James says in verse 17, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That's called the sin of omission. And so a whole lot of people would say, well, yeah, all right, but I'm, yeah, I know I don't go to church. I know, I know I probably ought to have God more in my life, but, but I, look, look at that person over there. I'm better than he is, or I'm better than she is. Uh, that's not how judgment goes. The Lord's going to judge us based upon what we do, how we live individually, personally, and not according to what somebody else does, how they live. When we know what we should do, but we don't do it, that's called the sin of omission. Now, a whole lot of people, they focus mainly on the sins of commission, doing things that are absolutely sinful, wrong, ungodly. But when we do not do, James says, when we do not do what we should do, and we know we should do. He said, that's sin. And what's the wages of sin again? Death, Romans 6 and verse 23. Let's pray. Father, help us to open our eyes and see that we need you desperately in our lives every step of the way, every day. And help us to help other people see that truth and reality as well. Please be merciful with us, Father, we pray. Please forgive us. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.